Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Maybe an unintended theme for today is a look between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Promises and the New co- Promises. We talked about and we celebrated the New Covenant through the blood of Jesus. And it occurred to me, Lance, as I was singing this song that you guys were leading us and you guys were reminding us of, in the Old Covenant, for us to worship, it would be very difficult. You know, we would... Uh, we would, most of us would probably have to travel a couple of days. Uh, it'd take a couple of days to come to the temple. Uh, we would come and there would be ornate, ornate procedures and rituals to go through. This, the, the idea of a seeker-friendly church uh, would be totally, no way would that happen. The idea of coming to service and getting a quick 50-minute talk, a 50-minute service, and being out within an hour to go capture, no, 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 you were there for the day. You were there to worship the whole day. The idea that I could just roll out of bed and just put whatever I want on, no. You had to make sure your clothes were ceremonially cleansed. You had to make sure you were bathed properly. I mean, all of these rituals, and hear me clearly, I'm not saying, wow, let's, let's go back to the good old days. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is one of the reasons they would do all those things is to get the person ready to experience the living God. Today in our age, under our new covenant, most of us are within five minutes of a church and we can literally roll out of our beds and just get a Pop-Tart to put in our kid's mouth and we throw them in the car and we're here and most of us are still asleep and we need a cup of coffee. And it's easy for us to sit back and go, why do we gather? Why do we do it every week? Why, why do we need this? Well, because the Holy Spirit is in each of our lives and when we come together, it works almost like an amplifier. You know, the fact of the matter, the Holy Spirit in you impacts the Holy Spirit in me. Your life really does touch that person's life over there and that person's life over there. And the intersection of us coming together to worship is an incredible thing. And then we sing some songs that remind us that we worship a living God who is a way maker, who is a miracle worker. And the reality is most of us, most of us in this world. Oh, we, even though we roll out of bed, we still try to spiritually put on a mask to make everyone around us think that we have life together and we have no needs and everything is perfect in our family. But the reality is, is there's needs that each of us have. Each of us need a miracle in our lives. Each of us need to experience the way maker to change attitudes, to change sinful patterns, to change thoughts, to change families, to change situations in work, to change situations in your family, to change situations in your neighborhood. And so today we are here together to pray and to talk to the way maker. And so I'm going to pray as we, we continue on right now. And I just invite you, I just ask you right now, just by a show of hands, I'm not asking you to air your dirty laundry or anything like that, but as you were singing this song, are there people that we're saying, you know what, I, I need a miracle today. 
I, I, there's something that, that's going on in my life right now that's really painful, and I need, I need God to address it. I need some insight. I need the Holy Spirit to minister to me and to work within my life in a very specific situation. If that would be you, I'm not going to bring you up here. Cameras are not searched in the area, but I would just invite you to maybe just raise your hand just to say, yep, yep, pray for me, Tony. And maybe if you're online right now, you would just write Paul and say, hey, pray for me in this time, in this period, uh, because I need the way maker. I need a miracle worker to do something in my life. If, if that's you, is there anyone out there that would say, yeah, pray for me? Okay, I see a hand. I see a couple of hands. Yeah, yeah, let's pray together right now. Father, we come before you and we worship you, the living God. Oh, forgive us, Lord, when we come maybe uh, just out of habit. We come just because this is what we do and we forget that every time we come there's a potential to have an encounter with you, the living God. And so, Lord, my prayer is in this very moment, may we experience your Holy Spirit doing a work inside of us as your people, as your children. God, would you, would you touch us in a way that only the Word of God can touch us? Would you touch us in a way that only the Holy Spirit can touch us so that we know when we walk out of this room today, when we maybe uh, if we're streaming, we, we turn off our computers, turn off our smart TVs, we understand in this moment we had an experience, a time in your presence, Lord. Father, my prayer is for those folks that raise their hands, for those folks that identified with Paul online and in the media, in our streaming media, that, that you, Lord, you know their situations better than anyone else. You have not forgotten. You are not slow to speak or slow to act, but you know the perfect timing in which to minister to your children, in which to do a work in your kids' hearts. And so, God, I pray, have your way with us right now. And be God in our lives. As if you need permission, Lord. Forgive me for even praying such a prayer. We know, of course, you will be God. But help us. Help us, God, to understand we're not in this alone. We're not in our situations by ourselves, but your very presence is with us. Your very presence is guiding. Your very presence is leading. Help us. Help us to accept that. Help us to recognize that. Help us to embrace that and, and, and submit to your leadership in our lives. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Go ahead and you can be seated. And uh, I add my voice of welcome to you as well as Pastor Dave did earlier. Uh, My name's Tony Turner. Some of you don't recognize me because I was out for the last two weeks. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Dave. Thank you, Pastor John, wherever you are for leading out in that time period. It allowed us to have a little chance of of, uh, reflection, a little chance of reprieve. Uh, two weeks ago, we went to First Baptist Church Walnut Grove to worship with Dana's dad and her mom, and, and Dax had a chance to, to preach a sermon. He'll tell, if you talk to him, he'll tell you he got to preach at Walnut Grove. Uh, he shared one of his memory verses that he had, and, and truth be told, I think the congregation appreciated that more than they appreciated hearing his grandpa preach. At least that's what I noted. Uh, there, and that's what uh, Nolan noted also. So we did that, and then last week we went to uh, Branson, and I think everyone chose to go to Branson last week uh, because uh, it was pretty crazy. It was crazy, but still, it was a good time. Uh, there was, there was, get it, and I mean, it's, for those of you who are native Missourians and have been here for a long time, 
you probably feel like I do at this point. You know, I remember a time when I would skulk in the woods and stalk whatever prey I could as a child, and I never had a fear. You know, the biggest fear you had was getting into a patch of uh, poison ivy, right? Uh, maybe coming across a copperhead. And, and now, you know, there are things in our woods that will eat us. You realize that? We now, it's like we live in Colorado or North Dakota. We actually saw, we saw, we saw bear prints around lake, the lake that we were at on Indian Point in the mud. We found some prints that if it was not, if it was not a mountain lion, uh, then it was the largest alley cat I've ever seen in my life. And even we took pictures of these things, of uh, these prints, and, and uh, you know, and, and I was like, surely not. Surely this was a big dog. This was just some big dog print. And then later on this week, Dana had a patient who was a conservation agent in that area. And uh, he was sharing with her about how that there are a lot of bear now going around <laughs> that area of Indian Point uh, getting water because of the drought. And there are, there are certainly some big cats in that area now. So Dax, when he heard that, he said, so does that mean that when we were making bond, when we were at the bonfire making s'mores, that there were some bear looking at us, thinking of making s'mores of us? And I was like, yeah, Dax, there probably was. There probably was a couple of bear out about 100 yards away just watching us, licking their lips, hoping to get a chance that you would walk away from me and you'd, that you'd be a nice hors d'oeuvre. So, you know, let Dax, uh, there's something about letting your kids, you know, just understand their mortality, right? That's, that's healthy. So anyway, uh, hey, in this season of time, you know, we all are learning new things, such as there's things out in the woods that can eat us now. And as Missourians, we didn't have that reality just 20 years ago. But, you know, even more importantly in this season, we all have been learning things and, being, and have been reminded things. Uh, one of the things that I'm just consistently reminded of through this COVID time and through this crazy political season is how connected we truly are, right? And the fact that so many of us have chosen or were forced to go into social isolation and how detrimental that is for individuals, how detrimental that is for for the elderly, how detrimental that is for children, how social isolation is detrimental to our families. It's detrimental to single people. It's detrimental to everyone. Matter of fact, if you think about it, many, not all, I'm not saying all, but many of the social, many of the, the problems that we have in this world, the underlying factor that you could point to to cause many of the things that are going wrong right now in our society is through social isolation, you know? The, the fact that, that kids cannot be together, kids cannot have good uh, mentors that are older than them, kids are not around their parents to the level that they need to be, they're what? They're socially isolated. And we see so many levels, and you teachers can tell me and, and have told me story after story after heartbreaking story of how kids who are left alone all day, the kind of problems and the kind of trouble that they can get into. Why? Well, because they're isolated, Right? They don't have those bonds that God has designed for us to have. We see how marriages get in trouble because of isolation and not being able to have healthy interaction with other people in society. We see how adults go through depression and we see, you know, there's no, there is no mistake, there is no doubt why depression has skyrocketed in America in the last five months. There is no, if, if you're wondering why is it that addictions to drugs and to alcohol have skyrocketed in the last several months, could I submit, does, does social isolation have something to do with that? People feel more lonely and more empty, and so they're looking 
They're looking for ways in which to meet those needs. This reminder of how we need each other just simply reaffirms, just once more, the choice that we made to stand in the gap for other people who could not or would not stand in the gap for themselves. You know, the last few years, we as a leadership team, we've just been asking ourselves the question over and over and over uh, as we talk about things, as we talk about how we do what we do at a church, we just ask the question, would our neighborhood, would our community miss us if we decide to close shop? If we decide to, to lock the building down and never meet here again and as a, as a group just never meet, period, would, would anyone in our neighborhoods, would anyone in the school districts around us, would anyone in the, in the community say, hey, what happened to Northbridge Church? Or would they just would they just keep on going on their day as if nothing had happened before? That's a question that has been helping guide our decision-making strategies and the, the things that we do over the last couple of years. Today, I take that question one step further. And I don't talk about our organization, but I'm going to ask you, as a family, as an individual, if you moved from your home, would your neighbors miss you? And I'm not talking about the, oh yeah, I have buddies. I'm not talking about that buddy miss. I'm saying, would there be a hole in your neighbor's life, a hole that only Jesus fit in your, in your neighbor's life because of you? Would your neighbors miss the grace and the mercy that you pour into your neighborhood if you chose to leave? Would your absence be felt is what I'm saying. Would your grace and God's love be missing from your neighborhood? Now, here's the reality, friends. I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist. Lately, in the last several months, my optimism has been kicked in the teeth over and over and over again. But I'm like Rocky Balboa, and I get up for one more round, right? I'm an optimist, and so here's what my answer is. I believe that for the vast majority of the people in this room, and I believe for the vast majority of the people that are watching us online, certainly if I had to put percentages on it, I would say 90%. For 90% of us, the answer would be yes. Yes. I'm convinced that the majority of our people at Northbridge are people filled with grace. I'm convinced that the majority of people that come and worship here in this room are people that want to touch the world around them, that want to make an impact in the world. The reason why I can say that and be optimistic about that is because we make such a big deal about those kinds of things and about serving other people that if that's not something that was kind of in your DNA, you probably wouldn't be here. You would leave. You would find somewhere else. You'd find a church that, that has the temperature of the room set just for your liking and has the exact color of carpet that you love and has the exact blend of coffee and has the perfect children's ministry that meets your kids' needs perfectly and has everything done perfectly to the point of where the pastor even has the joke just timed out at the optimum spot that gives you the optimum amount of entertainment. If that was you, if that was who you are, you'd be long gone after a couple of weeks. You'd be here and you realize this is not a place for you, for you. Go somewhere else, right? So the fact that you're here today tells me that, that more than likely for most of us, we do say, yes, yes, we want our presence to be felt with our friends. Yes, we want our presence to be felt in our neighborhoods and our PTA associations and our softball leagues. We want our presence to be felt with our hunting buddies and our co-workers. 
But for most of us, we, we say yes, but the reality is, is we could all, all of us, be a bit more purposeful and a bit more intentional in the why and the how to build our relationships and to inspect the kind of fruit that are coming from those relationships, right? Let's just be honest with that. All of us, including this guy right here, we can be better. I can be better and be more purposeful and have maybe a little more concise of plan to reach and to impact my friends and my families and my coworkers and the people that are to the right of me and to the left of me in my neighborhood. And that's what we are going to do today. We're going to get some direction from God as we look at this. So I invite you to turn your Bible, if you have a copy of Scripture, to 1 Peter chapter 3. And Peter is talking about this very situation and this very scenario of how can we better show God's love to the world around us? How can we better be people who will influence and impact people around us? So 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 14, Peter writes and he says to the church that's listening to him and that's reading him, says, I just got to first find verse 14. Here we go. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed, Peter says. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. What is going on here? Well, first of all, I just repeat what's going on here. It's a reminder, friends, that the heart of living. Well, I believe in, in Northbridge, we exist because we believe that the heart of our life, the heart of living, the core of living is to know God and to love him and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's our marching orders. That's the reason why you're breathing today on earth is not so that you can amass more wealth or amass more memories or go on more vacations or uh, get more things in your life or to build a bigger family. The reason you're on this earth right now is for God, for you to, to learn how to love God with your whole heart and how to love your neighbors as yourself. That's the, the crux. That's the background behind this passage. But in Peter's world specifically, at this point of the writing, there was this strong hatred towards Jesus and his teachings. It's already happening in these early stages of the church that the community around, uh, around the church, the people that make up the, the leadership, the people that make up society at that point, they look at Jesus, they look at his teachings, they look at the church that Jesus is building, and they see a threat, a threat to their social system, a threat to their power structure, a, a threat to how they make money, a threat to how they get power, a threat to how they influence and are influenced. The, the church is a threat. Jesus is a threat. Friends, guess what? We live in the same kind of world where there are a lot of people, and it seems like in the last few years there's been more people added to the group, or at least people that are more emboldened and outspoken, that when they see the church, they don't see a group of people who want to do good in the world. They don't see a group of people that are just trying to figure out how to love God with all their heart and love their neighbors as themselves. But these people see the church, and they see the teachings of Jesus that we try to live out as a threat as a threat. And so what do they do? They, they clench fists, they hurl insults, and they threaten. They threaten. And in some places in this world, they, they actually impound property. In some places in this world, 
They, they, they will imprison Christians and church leaders in some places in this world. They will threaten to kill, and they do kill believers. So we see the full gamut across this world of people who are threatened by the church, threatened by Jesus and his teachings, and Peter is telling them in this passage, don't shout back at them. Don't respond the same way they are responding to you. They hate you, you don't hate them. They threaten you, you don't threaten them. They throw a punch at you, you don't throw a punch at them. They throw a rock at you, you don't throw a rock at them. But he says what? Through this passage, through the, through the book of Peter, he's telling us to guard our words, to be humble, to seek peace whenever we can seek peace. Peter's saying in the very passage that we've read here, he's saying, do not be intimidated, do not be afraid, but be ready to point to, to share, to declare the work of God in our lives and in the world around us, is what Peter is telling us to do here. How do we do this? How do we do this? This is what the, uh, the ultimate uh, point of being an influencer is. That's why we tried to package this influencer thing. We're basically saying we want to be people. We want our church to be the kind of church in which we are not intimidated. We are not afraid. And we are ready to point to, to share, and to declare the work of God in our lives and in the world around us. How do we do this? Well, this passage offers a little bit of a framework for us. It helps us maybe look at how can we be just a little bit more proactive with sharing the hope that we have in our lives with our neighbors and with our friends and with our community. And here's what Peter says in verse 15. He first reports to us, he writes to us, and he's sharing with us. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Be prepared always to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. What is Peter telling us? What, what's he wanting us to do? He's telling us that we are to be people who are living with an extraordinary hope, with an extraordinary hope that is in our lives. We are to be people with extraordinary hope. This keyword, this is the keyword here. And if you have a hard copy of scripture or, or even on your phone, if you are using something like, like you version, highlight the word hope. Because that is an important word that I think most of us, not, I shouldn't say I think, that's poor preaching, I think. It's I know, I know this. For most of us, we have a very poor definition of the word hope. Right now, if I were to ask each one of us, what, define for me hope. Here's what I think 90% of, of people would say. They would, they would look at hope, you and I, and I, I'm included in this, we look at hope as it's something that is, is conditional, in other words, I'm leaving. I'm going to be traveling today uh, afterwards. I'm going to Lebanon, uh, not the country, but the city. And, and I, some of you who've been around for a long time, you remember one of our founding members. Her name was Lindsay Lewis. And she left us terribly, if you remember. Left us. She abandoned us for the arms of a man named Anthony Schindler. And Anthony and her got married and they started pastoring. He was pastoring right now. He's a, a pastor on staff at, at uh, First Baptist Church of Lebanon. Anthony is going to be ordained today. And he asked me to be a part of his ordination board. And so I'm going to be driving quite a bit today on 44 Highway. And I hope that the weather is good, right? And most of us would look at that as, okay, well, yeah, we hope the weather is good. If some of you have something against me, you say right now, well, I hope the weather's terrible for you, Pastor Tony, because that's what you deserve, right? So we, we have this hope. Well, what is our hope based on? 
Can my hope and my optimism change, go out there and change the weather patterns through some kind of miraculous effort of some kind of magnetism that is within my mind and within my body? No, at least nothing. That, that's not what we understand about science as of today, right? My hope is just based on good vibes and positive thoughts, right? And that hope, that hope could be dashed to bits, as soon as I get in the car and a storm just comes pouring down and a cloud is just over my car all the way from Springfield to, to Lebanon, right? Why? Because the hope in having good weather today is just based on my optimism and based on just a sense of, of a, a whim or a wish that I have. Nothing solid. You don't understand, when Scripture talks about the word hope, that is a different understanding than, than this idea of a good vibration that I'm having on a whimsy or just a, a, a positive feeling. When the scripture talks about, when Peter talks about to place, to place all of your thoughts in the hope that you have, he understands and scripture defines hope as an anticipation of something better because of what has been promised by God. Do you see, when Peter tells you to, to place your faith in the hope that you have, he's not saying place your faith in, in a whimsy or place your faith in just trying to be a positive person in this life. Place your faith on something that is, that is shakable, uh, something that is not solid. But instead, Peter's saying place your faith in the promises that God has made and remember that God does not break his promises, right? This means yes. And this means no. Thank you so much for being the only person to be like, yeah, right, right. Absolutely right. We, we put our hope in the living God who will not break his promises. No matter what life throws you, friend, Christ will never leave you or forsake you, the word declares. You're trying to find answers in this life. Ask and he will give wisdom, James declares. You're defeated by life. You've lost something precious in this season. Know that the word declares that you have the hope that you are more than a conqueror. You feel lost and nowhere to turn. You have the access to the very throne room of God. Those are just a few smatterings of hope that is peppered throughout this scripture that, again, is not based on whimsy. It's not based on just our, our good vibrations and us holding hands and just having positive vibes with one another, but they're all based on the solid work of the living God who from the very day, the very foundations of this earth all the way to today has never broken a promise, has never not followed through on something that he has offered to us. He is 100% faithful. He's 100% committed to the good of his people. And so Paul or Peter is telling us, hey, be prepared to live out of that hope so that yes, yes, when the world comes crashing around you, and everything possible bad happens, happens to you, you know you still have the very hope of God as a wellspring in your life. You have the hope that tomorrow will be better than today, not because you just hope so or you just think so, but because God has told us that there will be a day, there will be a day that he claims his church and brings his church into his kingdom and every tear will be wiped away. There will be no darkness. There will be even no sun because there's no need for a sun because the very living God will be the light of the world. We will have intimate fellowship with the living God and see him face to face. 
All the battle scars will still be there as memories of what we've endured. The scars on Christ's hands will still be on his hands because of the memories of what he had to endure for us. But we have hope. But not only are we to live and to present hope to our family and to our friends and to our community, and not only are we to be prepared to show that, friend, we also must be prepared to live We live with an undeniable grace, with an undeniable grace. I have a couple of things to show you. So this past week at my son's school, we had our banquet. It was a virtual banquet. The morning of our virtual banquet, this was at my door. This was at my door. I couldn't, uh, I was like a a schoolgirl. I was giddy. I was like, a package. For me and Dana and Dax, oh, I couldn't wait to get it in and open it up and look at all the delights that would be in this package. Oh, how could you not? I mean, this package was beautiful. It was pristine. I I had images of a butler with, with white gloves coming to our door and laying that ever so gently in front of the door. And I, when I saw it, I, I just could not help to figure out what was inside, Right? Why? Not well, A, because I'm weird, okay? That could, you could argue that. But B, because, you know, I, you like I go one and two, but I'm going to do an A and B. But B, B, uh, the package drew me in. You know, we get, we get those kinds of packages, don't we, uh, in our door, especially in this day and age, right, when we're buying stuff through Amazon and through online, you get those things show up at the door, and they're packaged just perfectly, and you can't wait to get into them. And I learned this also by buying some stuff during, during the COVID time where you're buying them from, you think going to Amazon that you're safe? Oh, no, not if you're going through some third company that you, know, you don't have a clue of. And you get this package like this, right? You ever get a package like this that shows up at your door, you know? And, and you're sitting there going, wow, what's in that, you know? You're wondering, you're just prepared, you're so... You're just opening it with just like a, just going, because you know whatever's inside is going to be totally destroyed, right? It's going to be totally broken. How many people are excited when they receive packages like this at your door? Not very, huh? Not very at all. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, think of our message. Think of our message as a package. And friends, the reality is this. I hate to say this, but packaging is important, isn't it? Oh, I'm not saying that our package needs to be wrapped in mochaccino and, and uh, you know, seeker-sensitive lifestyle where no one feels anything negative and no, you know, everything is, is just roses and sunshine. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the words that Peter is using here. Notice in, in verse 16, let's just reread verse 16 together again. Peter's saying, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak malicious... Oh, did I say 16? I'm in 15. I'm sorry. I gave the wrong verse here. Verse 15. That was, verse 16 was for another, for a later thought here. In verse 16, I'm just going to read it to you very quickly of chapter, of chapter 3. Uh, he writes and he says to us, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. 
I submit to you that the message of hope, the message that hope that we are charged to give at any time, at the drop of a hat, we should be ready to share the hope that we have in Jesus with our friends and with our family. They must be packaged, according to Peter, and through the, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit that was placed upon Peter, we're learning that we are to package that hope with gentleness and with respect. I don't have to preach real hard about this. I had several stories about about street preachers I've encountered through the day who do not have gentleness, who do not have respect. I I know that if you have gone out any time recently downtown and you're eating dinner, you will probably uh, encounter a street preacher or two who do not present with gentleness or with respect. Here's what I'm going to just simply say, rather than making some profound statements that make you go, wow, we really have a brilliant preacher. We're so happy that we have this guy employed in our, in our body because he comes up with these deep insights. This is all I'm going to do to help show my point. What's the opposite of gentle and respect? Those two words, gentle and respect. What, what would you think are opposites of those words? Well, here's two words for you. How about harsh? How about harsh? And how about, and this is brilliant, ready? The opposite of Respect, disrespect, right? Harsh and disrespectful. Think about those times and those encounters that maybe you've had where it turns you off even from wanting to present the gospel when you're around that Christian who is harsh and abrasive and who's disrespectful. And, and I confess to you, man, that's an area that I can, I can slide into and I have to have the agency of the Holy Spirit just constantly instructing my heart and working with me because I can be a harsh person. I can be very direct. And it's fine to be direct, but you don't want to be harsh in the directness of your message, right? And so, so we see here that Peter's saying, be gentle, be respectful. Don't have harshness and disrespect when you're presenting the hope. I would also add this, we have the time to just say it, the extreme of those words. So if the opposite is harsh and disrespectful, the other side that we can also fall into, the extremes of gentleness and respect, how about this, fear, right? Some of us don't share because we're afraid. We're afraid of what are our people, what are our friends going to think about us if they find out I'm one of those Bible thumpers? Or, or how about idolatry? How about respect taken to an extreme? Where I've met people who, when I'm saying, hey, have you, did you have a chance? You know, they're telling me a story about a friend of theirs is going through something. I'm like, did you have a chance to share Jesus with them? Well, no, no, because, you know, my relationship with them, I, I just don't want to mess that up. And I'm like, man, God just gave you a perfect opportunity to share the hope that you have. But you're so, you love, you love your relationship so much with that person that you don't love what you're not going to honor when, when the Holy Spirit directs you to begin to share, that's, that in my mind is idolatry. That's you putting this relationship above the mandate that you know you have because First Peter tells you that you have a mandate to be ready to share the hope at a, at a moment's notice, the hope that you have. And we don't do that because why we idolize our standing with other people we idolize the relationship we have with this other person. So, so those are some extremes. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this. Govern your presentation of the gospel with these two words, friends. With, with gentle and with respect. Do, you, do your neighbors see you as a person with extraordinary hope? Do your neighbors see you and your family as one with undeniable grace 
in your life. And then a question I just simply close with today is what steps do you need to take this week to influence the people around you for Christ? Because each one of our situations is different. And so each one of us really needs to come up with a, probably a different plan. We don't have a plan here to offer you just three easy steps to share your faith with your friends. But rather we say if you are a person that's prepared to live with, with hope in your life and to live with an undeniable grace, God will walk with you side by side working out a plan and a process for you to be an influencer with your family, with your friends, with your community. So right now we're going to close. We're going to close with prayer. And I'm just going to invite you as we, as we uh, take a couple of minutes to pray. I'm going to ask you a couple of things. One thing I'm going to ask you is, is maybe there's some people saying, right now, Tony, pray for me as I try to really do some heavy lifting and thinking about a plan to be a little bit more, to be a little bit more intentional in sharing the hope I have with people around me. Help me, God, I need God's help in helping me form this plan in my life. And then some of us, let's be frank, some of us, we need to start right here. The reason we don't share, the reason we're not prepared to make a difference in people's lives, be an influencer in people's lives, is because honestly, we don't see people the way God sees people. Honestly, truth be told, many of us, uh, we have difficulty loving people that are different than us. We have, different, we have difficulty seeing people the way God sees people. And so for some of us, maybe that's where we just need to start right there, just a simple prayer of, God, would you help me to see the people around me the way you see them? Would you help me to feel about the people around me the way you feel about them? Uh, and, and allow God to begin doing that work in our hearts and lives. Let's pray right now. And in this moment, in this time of prayer, in this time of stillness, I would just ask, is there, is there people around us, is there people here that would say, Tony, pray for me right now and that I need help forming a plan. I need, I need to be more intentional and I don't know what to take. I don't know the steps to take, but I know I need to. I need a plan to, to share the hope that I have. If there's someone out there that's saying, yeah, that's me, just raise your hand. I'm not going to call attention to you. I'm not going to we call you out. I'm not going to say your name. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I just want to know that you're there, that I can pray for you. Okay. Okay. And then I say this. Is there someone maybe in this room that says, man, I, Tony, uh, I, need to, I need to feel the way God feels about the people around me. That when I look at them, I get frustrated. When I'm dealing with folks that are making bonehead decisions, I get mad, and I lose my patience, and I just don't even want to talk to them, maybe. I just... I find myself not liking anyone but the people that are closest to me, to my family, to my friends. I find myself not having time for people that God puts in my path. Maybe right now you just would say, Tony, pray for me that I would begin to see people the way God sees people. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. If, if you're saying, yeah, I, need, I, need, I need a dose of God's love in my heart and my life for folks around me. Okay, I see a hand, yeah. Anyone else? And Father, we come before you. Help us, Lord. Help us. We know that you are love. We know that you are God of grace. We know that you are God of mercy. We also know, God, that there is judgment for those who reject you, that there is judgment for those who reject King Jesus. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to have the same kind of passion that you have to redeem and to reach the lost world, to restore that which was broken. Thank you, God, for including us in that. And help us, O oh Lord to be that kind of people who will do that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.